Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler and this is episode number 65 for October 2017. Thank you, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. I hope you're going to stay with us. It's a long one this month. Be warned, we're with you for just under an hour and a half, but I hope it's going to be well worth listening to. We've some comments from our newly opened comment line, Derry Lawler and Edvard. Sharon Lyons is along to talk more about the Chromebook and cloud storage with Google Drive. Donald Fitzpatrick, Salim Rahman and Dave Nason are here to talk about all that's new in iOS 11 and Apple's new hardware. And finally, Oren O'Neill takes us on a wonderful journey to introduce us to visually impaired tennis. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, as I said a moment ago, you are very welcome in. I hope you've had a good month. I can't believe we're at the beginning of October already. I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, it was funny the other evening we were having dinner and there was something on the TV about a Christmas movie channel that's starting on the 21st of October. I mean, my God, it's just getting earlier every year, isn't it? Anyway, welcome in. I uh, hope you're going to enjoy our podcast and thank you to everybody who's been getting in touch, sending in emails or indeed using our comment line. That phone number again is 018821930 or if you're calling from outside of Ireland and we do welcome your calls uh, you dial your international dialing code followed by 353-1882-1930 and let's go to that comment line right now Hi Stuart, it's Edward from Child Vision um, just to give you feedback on the podcast uh, they're really good I, I really enjoyed listening to the podcast on um, that you made on in um, June with Ian Snaman about um, his Version that was very interesting, and also I was uh, wondering about um, how can I partic- I know uh, I can participate on the technology podcast, and also um, I thought about the um, that I can just not talk about just uh, voiceover. I can I thought about that I will talk about the my how did I start to use technology and how I got interest in technology. So, Edward, many thanks for getting in touch. Um, no, Edward's a, a regular listener and I've met Edward a number of times in NCBI and he's going to be talking on our podcast in the very near future. He uses Android a lot, um, but as he said, it will be very interested to hear how he got interested in technology, how he made his first steps, I suppose, using technology and the independence it gave him. So, Edward, thank you very, very much uh, for taking the time to call our comment line. Hi, Stuart. Uh, I must say, Scary Lolly, I really enjoyed the technology podcast and this month was fantastic of course i enjoyed the eric damry talk in the council on the 9th of august and i must say i'm now using the beta version of jaws 2018 as it's now called for this year um great to hear your podcast doing so well and i must say love do enjoy the sharon shortcuts and the chromebook sounds really interesting uh, keep up the good work and I'll talk to you all soon next month. Thanks very much, Derry. Great to hear from you as always. Uh, Derry's a regular listener and contributor to our, our podcast. And yeah, I, I look, I think everybody enjoyed Eric Damry's piece. And whether you were listening on the podcast or being at the event itself, Eric has 
a unique ability, I think. I, I, well, personally, I could listen to him all day. I think he's spoken in CBI for about two and a quarter hours, and I didn't feel the time going. But he has a unique ability to just kind of bring people along with him and really push out that excitement that he has for all the products that he was talking about. I've been playing with the 2018 uh, beta of Jaws as well. It's really good, especially the OCR, which I'm really loving. So, uh, Derry, thanks a million. And of course, Sharon, everyone loves Sharon's shortcuts and the Chromebook. More of that coming up in just a moment. Now, as always, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is our email address. We'd love to hear from you. Or, of course, if you'd like to have your voice heard on a future edition, give us a call on our comment line anytime. It's a Dublin number Now you're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast. It's our October 2017 edition. And uh, as always, as is by now regular, delighted to be joined once again by Sharon Lyons with her Chromebook. Sharon, welcome back. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. After our last edition, and if people remember on September, Sharon introduced us to the Chromebook. We started talking about it. I went and bought a Chromebook on Amazon. Mm-hmm. €209, Euros, Sharon. 209. €209. Euros. Uh, it arrived two days later. It was arrived, actually, the shipping date was something like Thursday, and it arrived on Tuesday. And it's the wow. el- the 11-inch version, same as yours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found it that the, the setup was fine. I turned mm-hmm. it on, and I pressed the Chrome box keys. I think I was a bit impatient. It took a little while, and then the setup happened. Right. Um, I haven't, we were just saying off-air before this, I haven't had enough time really to play, though I haven't given it enough time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But certainly signing in and all was no issue, and I even got to see, uh, like I could sign in to my own, because uh, I did create a Google account after <laughs> last time. Wow. <laughs> so I had to sign into my email. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it seems it seems really good. And right. Chromebox was very straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been playing as well. You know, I think at the end of the day, the only way you really learn to do something is to to jump in at the deep end and have a go. Um, I took my Chromebook to the computer club in South Dublin, out in Drimna, um, a couple of weeks ago, and. Hello to everyone at the computer club in Drimna. Um, and I started showing them it. Um, and you know, I bought a refurbished one, which mm. cost me about 100 euros yeah. uh, just to try it out. And um, I went on the web, and um, this is actually a different one to, to the one I, sh- I was showing last month. But it started speaking in German. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, just for no reason. I mean, it was speaking English before that. Well, um, it just shows you, you buy a refurbished thing, and it, not everything's kind of set up. Uh, so I went into the settings on the Chromebook, and that was all fine. All the language settings were grand, but it actually was a setting in the browser itself. So I had to go into the Google settings, uh, the Google Chrome settings, I should say. And we sorted it out in the end. So, uh, yeah. So you never know what you're going to get with a refurbished one. But yeah, it's a uh, good, good learning know. experience anyway. Absolutely. There's yeah. also, in, I mean, in, in my little bit of uh, research when I got the Chromebook, there's Google have, have produced some really good documentation for Chromebox and lists of shortcut keys. So it's yes. really good. Yeah, there is, um, there is a lot of uh, lists of stuff. Um, 
they've really, really thought about accessibility, you know, and keyboard access. So um, it's good. It's good to see it all happening. When we spoke last month, I one of the things I was thinking when you were showing me the Chromebook was it would be great for a family situation where mm. maybe, I, you know, I'm in my house and maybe my partner or maybe you, you know, whatever it is, you maybe you have a couple of kids and everyone has their accounts and they can log in and out of it. We didn't know at that stage if that was possible, but mm. apparently it is. Oh, it is. That's yes. Fantastic. And I should have known, really. I mean, um you know, it's it's Google. It's pretty flexible, all right. I mean, we have three set up on this Chromebook at the moment, mm. so three different Google accounts. Um, yeah, and it's just seamless. You just log in, and it it hooks up to all your stuff, and, uh, and, and you I'm, go. I'm, I'm kind of assuming uh, that if you made changes to your speech preferences, so say I don't know, you like keyboard echo, but your husband doesn't, mm-hmm. then when you log in, your preferences come up, and when he logs in, his preferences come up. With, yeah. With I'd say so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It really, uh, it really is tied to your Google account. You know, it's a, it's a bit like bookmarks or something. Yeah. You know, it's all tied in. Uh, and of course, whatever I do on this Chromebook with my account, um, when I go into Google Chrome on it kind of hooks up to everything again you know on a on a pc so yeah and it's all cloud-based of course so it's sitting in the exactly cloud. Okay. exactly yeah. um so n- next month as well we'll talk a little bit about by the by the time we get to next month i hope i'll have a chance to look at some of google's braille implementation in chromebox because oh, wow. they, they spent a bit of time talking about braille so we'll be interested oh, to see how it, how it goes yeah um but this month i suppose we're, we're continuing with the chromebook but but on a very much on a cloud focus mm. and sharon you've been looking at google drive I have, and yes. we use OneDrive in here I know they're very similar yes but maybe for people who've never used the idea of cloud storage and it's it's actually kind of interesting because I remember watching um, an episode of Dragon's Den about two years ago and there was a guy who was in who had developed some kind of a new uh, USB memory stick mm-hmm. and one of the tech um, investors one of the tech dragons said to him memory sticks will be a thing of the past in two years it's all gone cloud storage <laughs> so he did they didn't invest in them but right. it, it kind of made me think that that's probably is the way it's going. That the idea that you can sign in anywhere now and just oh, get everything. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's so true, um, and I'm really kind of feeling the benefit of that now. I mean, we as a family we use um, Dropbox. Mm. Um, we have on Dropbox we have a lot of different things, and one of which is a shopping list. <laughs> so we have a login to Dropbox. I have it on my PC. I have a, like a shortcut on the desktop. I have the app on my phone, and at any point, I can open this. It's a notepad file. It's like a text file, yeah. um, and it has what we currently need <laughs> in the house. So, um, and if one of us goes out shopping, and we pick up whatever's on the list, we then the, indicate we edit the mm-hmm. shopping list and yeah. put a little cross by things and uh, move it around a bit, or we can add something in and. It's just really handy. I mean, that's such a simple thing, but it just it's, works well. It's true, though, and, it, and it's a, and another example. You mentioned shopping. Another example I've got, myself and my fiancé have a, a shared calendar mm. um, on iCloud, which is right. um, Apple's Apple's implementation of cloud. Mm-hmm. And similar thing, you, yeah. you kind of you open the calendar, and if, you, if, you're, if you're doing something or there's something on, that maybe you just haven't had a chance to talk to the person, yeah. you put it into the calendar, next thing it pops up on your phone. So 
(laughs) this idea of cloud is that you can be anywhere and access anything at any time I'm just laughing at us like we have a shared uh, calendar as well and it's a Google calendar and uh, gosh the techie couples hey yeah it's the equivalent of the uh, calendar (laughs) on the fridge I suppose well absolutely I mean but you have to be by the fridge then you you have to be by the fridge no you don't and it's not accessible either the calendar on the fridge (laughs) so so cloud is really isn't it that that you're you're kind of you are your information is remotely stored Mm -hmm. but the idea is that you can access it anywhere you want and this is the beauty of something like a chromebook and google drive yep yep so i have well i mean if you have a google account (coughs) sorry my throat's a bit funny today it must be the changing weather um if you have a google account you um instantly have a Google Drive, you have a Google email, obviously, you know, um, and you have access to Google Docs that maybe we'll cover as well at some point. Um, and that's like a free word processor, basically, online with keyboard shortcuts and everything. Um, but, um, yeah, so you have a Google Drive just automatically. And if you actually own it now, I'm, I'm really bad at remembering figures now, but let me see if I can remember. Um if you have a Google account, you get 15 gig free Pretty of good. storage yeah. on the Google Drive. But if you have a Chromebook, you get 100 gig for wow. two years. Oh so when you buy your Chromebook, you then get 100 gig for two years on a Google Drive. And then um, you start to get you know, payment per mm. month and stuff like that which is a couple of euros a month. There's a, there's a fair amount of storage in 100 gig. I think you'd be, yeah, you'd be okay you'd be for a while. Yeah, right for a couple of years, although I'm sure there'd be these reminder emails coming then, <laughs> like, your, your 100 gig will expire. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what, what kind of things do you use your cloud storage, your, your, your Google Drive for? Because I, I imagine, you're, okay, you're, you're here with your Chromebook now. Can you also pull those things up on your phone? Can you kind of share documents? You, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can... I haven't actually done that yet. I'm using it very much. I'm using it as a backup and as a... like a memory stick, really. <laughs> yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, I use it very much for writing training materials. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I can write them from anywhere. Um, I, I, we just, we have the Microsoft version of all this, I suppose, in here. And I was w- with a colleague a couple of months ago. We were editing a document, and I made some changes late at night on my phone with a Bluetooth keyboard using Microsoft Word on the phone. Wow! And I saved it and sent him a text to say I've done a bit more on it. And uh, he was able to just he was logging on the web onto three six office three six five and mm-hmm. saw the document, but it kind of made me think this is this is kind of incredible. It was mm-hmm. so easy to do it, and yeah. then I could see what he did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it all tracked, and you tracked, could. Yeah. Um, so that was all accessible on your phone. It was all accessible it? on the phone. Yeah, great, yeah, great. Yeah. great. So anyway, you've Google Drive on your. I mean, I suppose Google Drive is on the Chrome because mm-hmm. it's just it's a website, really, isn't it? You can open Google it Drive is, anywhere. It is pretty much. Yeah. Um, when you like, I've just to say that I've switched this Chromebook on, and when you and I switched on the Chromevox voice, the Control Alt Z to switch on the voice, um, and I've logged in. So and it brings up a new tab ready to um, to browse the web. Um, Oh, just going back, I changed the voice. I changed the voice here on this. 
so I don't have that. It was a bit of a bossy voice before. Oh yes, she was, wasn't she? Yeah, she was it's a bit the, stern. It yeah. was the English, the, the British okay. uh, voice, and I changed it to the to the American, and she seems a bit softer. <laughs> but you know, you can change the voice, um, and you can you can change and adjust keyboard echo. Actually, we couldn't get that to work last time, and it was because it was Chromevox A and T and you actually had to hold them all down so ah you hold them all down together yeah so I just show, and it just toggled wherever you are so chrome box A and T <laughs> character and word echo oh here we go character and word echo no next table oops no typing echo Okay. Character echo. Well, you have to word echo. You yeah. have to take your fingers off and do okay. it again. Word echo. Okay. No typing echo. Okay, what did I have? Character echo. Word echo. Word. Word okay. echo. Word is good. <laughs> uh, that that actually answers a question for me. I spent a fair amount of time the first night I set up my Chromebook trying to change the word the, the typing echo. Could not do it, and mm-hmm. because I was pressing. Uh, the Chromevox Plus A mm-hmm. and then release them and then pressing T yeah, yeah. because that's kind of how JAWS commands work where you have these multi-layered um, command, yes, uh, keystrokes then, but yeah so you kind of get into a mode yeah, exactly, and then you press the exactly. next but okay so you press yeah. all three keys together yeah so pretty much yeah in, in that order so hold down Chromevox um, which is like the where the caps lock key mm. is usually. So it sounds to me Sharon that it might be very useful if we had three hands to operate well this <laughs> Or, or particularly good dexterity okay. in your fingers. <laughs> okay. okay, potentially difficult for some people, but anyway. Okay. All right, so we, you, we're going to send okay. it to Google Drive, is it? Or right, so already? I'm actually going to come away from, I'm going to do something a little bit different than being in the Chrome browser here. I'm going to do Alt-Shift and L. Launcher button. Which stands L. for? Toolbar. Window. Launcher, right. And I can tab around things here. It's Actually, it's a bit like... The start menu. Okay. Yeah, so Alt, Shift and L, Launcher. Um, and now I'm kind of on the taskbar, if you like, and I can tab around. Google Chrome button. I can open Google Chrome. Gmail button. Open my Gmail. Google Docs button. Open Google Docs. YouTube button. Or YouTube. Launcher button. But if I go into Launcher and press Enter on Search that, or type URL. Edit text. Window. And it's it's just so web based, isn't it? It's like every mm. everywhere you turn, it's like, well, just type in what you want, just yeah, search, yeah, just yeah. just Google, basically, yeah. is what it's saying. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, but if I tab away from this now, um, I've got other apps in here. Search by voice button. Ooh, haven't tried that yet. Dialogue. Google Keep Files button. Google Drive button. Oh. Well, there's Google Drive. There we go. Actually, files and Google Drive, I think, is pretty much the same thing. Um, but we'll press enter on Google Drive. Address and search bar. Edit text, URL entry. Main, toolbar. New tab, window. Loading, loading, status. Google Drive. Okay. Loading, Ooh. status. Online collaboration Google Drive folder owned by me last modified by me the 11th of September 2017. List item, one okay. of six. Folder list view, list box. Now, it's, it's very much, as you can hear, I love all the little pops and clicks that go on, like when it's doing something. So yeah. um, you can kind of hear that um, it, it sounds very similar to a file explorer on, on like, Windows. Absolutely. So it's saying the name, um, it's a folder, uh, I'm the owner, it says the owner is me, <laughs> uh, last modified, and, uh, and possibly the size, I'm not sure it said that, that then. 
Um, so I can just arrow. 2017 minus 18 academic year. XLSX Excel owned by me last month. Bookkeeping can, Nathan and Sam Breen. Bookkeeping okay. temp. 2017 minus 18 academic. So I can just arrow up and down um, between my files. And <clears throat> then I can. Um, there's, there's kind of, you know, in File Explorer, you have a file list, which is where you spend most of your time. Yeah. And you have a um, kind of navigation. Uh, so you do maybe shift tab to go. And if you wanted to go to a, like a USB or a, um, external hard drive or different drive. Mm-hmm. So here the keystrokes are GN for navigation. GN. Folders and views. Tree. Exited main. Navigation. My drive. Three item collapsed. One of eight. Level one. And it gives you loads of kind of usual jargon about kind of folders and files. So I'm on my drive at the moment, and if I go down, computers. Three item collapsed. Two of eight. And you know it says collapsed. Yeah. So at that point, you can kind of open it with the um, the right the arrow. Yeah. So similar to Windows. Three okay. item. Well, there's nothing computers, in there at the moment. <laughs> three item collapsed. Two of eight. Shared with me. Three item. Three of eight. Level one. And you also have a shared with me. So if anyone's shared uh, a document with you, so you're collaborating on a document, um, it will be in that shared with me. And recent, three item. Recent. Four of eight. Google Photos, photos. three item. Start, three item. Bin, three item. So Seven of eight. Level one. Bin is the recycle bin. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you can delete things if I went back. So GL for my list of files, Google L, like GL. 2017 minus 18 academic year, XLSX. I can actually, when I'm in a, a, a list like that, I can um, delete it just, you know, in the usual way. Okay. Delete something. So, so this is really has the feel of, as you showed to us here, has the feel of a kind of a, as you said, file explorer. You're just you're just doing your very typical traditional file commands mm-hmm. in a browser. Mm-hmm. And 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 what you are looking at now, what we are looking at, is sitting on the cloud somewhere. It the, is. These documents yeah. are not on yeah. your Chromebook. So it's not actually on the Chromebook. Yeah. Although having said that, you can. Um, because obviously uh, the Chromebook, you know, when we just switched, you, you can access your files uh, offline. Okay. So, you know, when we switched on this Chromebook earlier, it started kind of saying there's no Internet connection. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> Give me Internet. Yeah. And you think, oh, Chrome- Chromebook, it's, you know, it's nothing without having an Internet connection. But it will actually let you um work on files offline if you okay. need to yeah. one of the things people talk about one of the other things people talk about when when, when, they, when they speak about cloud um, is this idea of collaboration and real time multiple people collaborating on a document and I, I still find it difficult to get my head around this but you've probably done this loads of times because it's probably more of a visual thing is it people you can be working with three other people on one document and well you can everyone. yeah um but, and it is a visual thing, but it's um, it is supported within the Google Docs. Maybe we'll have a play with that next time. But you okay. can, you know, you can share files. Mm. So you can have a file, and you can go off and share it, and then you can give people permission to view the file, or edit the file, or uh, comment on the file, and you can have a uh, a document up and running and you can have someone commenting it on it at the same time as you editing it 
and you can read those comments and reply to those comments and resolve them um yeah all in real time all in real time and there's lots of different ways of accessing those comments as well so there's a whole accessibility part of it okay um you know so it can speak them or maybe if someone's color blind you know the colors can be a bit of a problem for some yeah. people so you can do it slightly differently but um maybe i can go into that in more detail yeah let me look at that in a future uh, podcast the, the, the other thing i suppose i'm thinking of that there may be people listening to this who are quite excited by this idea of their google drive that they may never have explored before because most people have gmail at this stage mm. Uh, but they don't have a Chromebook. How good, in your experience, is Google Drive with the maybe standard Windows mm-hmm. browsers and screen reader combos at the moment? It's the same. Okay. Yep, so GN for navigation, GL for list of files, delete, delete file. Um, there's also, do you remember we were talking about um, accessing your email, Gmail? Yeah. We did a podcast on that. Um, do you remember, I think, C... Was composed. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see on this. New expanded button. It's new. Okay. See for create. Yeah. Exactly. So you can create here. You can create menu folder. A new folder. One of seven. You can create file upload menu upload a folder. Two of seven. So you can if you're on your PC, you can upload a file to your drive. Um, Folder upload menu upload a folder to your seven. Google Docs menu item with sub menu four of seven. So that has a sub menu. Presumably, let you create, say, a new Word document, a new Excel sheet, whatever. Menu front blank document menu item one of two. Menu Google Docs Google Sheets. You've got Google Sheets, which is five of seven. Which is Excel, like Excel. Excel. Google Slides Google Slides menu item. With submenu, um, six which of is seven. the equivalent of PowerPoint, kind of presentation software. Um, more menu um, items. more with submenu, seven of seven. Oh, I don't know what's in here. Should we go in? Let's have a look. Oh, jeepers. Okay. Menu Google Forms. Google Forms. Menu <laughs> item with submenu. Google Drawings. Drawings. Men- Google My Maps. maps. Google Sites. Okay. Menu item. Connect more apps. Okay, menu and there's item. more, so Bye. you can kind of uh, install. I mean, the. The Chromebook is like a web browser, but you can install lots of extensions into a web browser or plugins, add-ons, whatever you like to call them. So you can, uh, going forward, there'll be more kind of apps to do different things. So you can always, if you can't do it now, you know, there might be an app that comes up to do it in the future. Well, Sharon, thank you as always. Great to uh, learn about Google Drive. Oh, Um, and just one more thing. Yeah. I found um, this... You know there's no function keys on a Chromebook. Yes. I said last week, like, what is Sharon Shortcuts doing with a, uh, <laughs> with a keyboard with no function keys? But if you do the Chromebox key and one, it's F1. Yeah, so there are <laughs> function keys. You just have so, to... Uh, yeah, so the numbers. So, okay. so, so Chrome, Chromebox and one is F1. Chromebox and two is f2 and then it goes all the way so chromevox and zero would be f10 chromevox and dash would be f11 and chromevox and equals is f12 F12. so um so it does have function keys (laughs) you were delighted (laughs) 
Okay, great stuff. We look forward to talking to you in November, and we'll I'm sure be talking more about Gosh, uh, Chromebooks and document collaboration and all those good things. Yes, absolutely. Um, but for now, Sharon, thanks a million. No problem, Stuart. Thanks. I think this is my favorite time of year on our technology podcast because uh, iOS 11, Apple's latest mobile operating system, has been released. New hardware is just about to come, or indeed, if you're listening outside of Ireland, you may have received it already. And we've convened a panel of gurus to talk Apple, iOS and updates and all the great things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Around our virtual table, delighted to welcome back Dave Nason. Uh, Dave's been with us for the last couple of years and... Uh, very, very into his Apple tech, and I think he'll be buying a phone. Dave, welcome back. Great to be here, Stuart. Thanks. Good to have you. Salim Raman's joined us once again. Salim, always good to have you back. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks and for having me. a new voice to the virtual table, Donald Fitzpatrick, another Mac and iPhone user. Donald, delighted to have you for the first time. So, welcome along. Thank you, Stuart. It's good to be here. Great stuff, guys. Thanks for giving us your time. I know this is the podcast usually for us that gets the most feedback. So there's loads of things to talk about over the next however long we speak. Um, maybe to start off, Dave, one of the things people need to be aware of, and, and I'm, I suppose thinking of, as we're speaking for people who haven't updated from iOS 10 yet, outside of the fact that not every phone will take iOS 11, there are some things to be aware of in relation to apps and what is compatible. Isn't that right? Yeah, there's some older kind of apps which are 32-bit. Um, so iOS 11 only accepts now what's called 64-bit apps. So if an app hasn't been updated to be compatible with that, um, then they won't run. So if it's a 32-bit app, it won't run on iOS 11. This is very few and far between. I think I have 168 apps on my phone and three of them were uh, marked as not being able to run on iOS 11, and none of them were particularly important to me. But there's a way you can check very quickly if you go to settings and then go to general and then go to about. And if you swipe down to where it says applications and it'll say the number of apps you have, so in my case, 168, if it then says button after it tells you the number, that means you can double tap and it'll give you a list of the apps which won't run on iOS 11. If it doesn't say the word button, that means you don't have any. And it's that's how you check. So if, if you go in there and you find there's something that's really, really important to you, then you might want to think twice about updating. Otherwise, uh, you probably don't need to worry about it. Okay. And just in terms of compatibility, then uh, anything uh, anything with iPhone 5S or above will, will update, isn't, is that right? That's my understanding, yeah. Okay. So some of the features that we're just going to skim through, and I think people want to talk about different things, but um, a few that I picked out here, and these are, are generic sort of general features, I suppose. There's a, a feature to auto-answer calls. You can specify a, a, an amount of time after the phone rings, and the phone will auto-answer. Not probably something I'd be that interested in. Any of you guys particularly excited by auto-answering your calls? Not personally, no. no. I think okay. it's a feature that would drive me absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's people, particularly maybe with motor issues and stuff like that, that would find that hugely beneficial. But for yeah, or, or maybe if by the time you get to your phone, and some people have difficulty with that two-finger double tap to answer maybe, so I suppose it, it can help in that way. There are certainly use cases where it would be very, very, very good. I think Davis highlighted one, the, the, the issues where people simply can't answer the phone for, for all kinds of reasons. It's, it's, it's a nice feature. Um, 
but again, for, for me, no. Okay, Siri now allows you to type uh, to Siri. Uh, so if you if you maybe can't speak, but you want to ask Siri something, you can type. Could be a useful feature, I suppose. So let's look at yeah. some of the voiceover specific things. And the big one that we've all been, the three of us were, um, four of us were talking off air just before we came on here, was this moving apps. Moving apps was, I, I found last year this was great. And now it's, I don't know if it's that it's got more complicated. I suppose the user interface has changed. But Donal, you you mentioned that you were able to clean up your whole home screen and move a whole lot of apps around simultaneously, which was probably very handy. Yeah, I like this. Um, it's it's. I would describe it as a hybrid of of the, the the two approaches. So last year in iOS 10, if people remember, you had the the, the option to organize or move apps and things and move things around by using uh, a rotor setting. Now what Apple have done is they've, they've gone back to the old way of doing things, which was to tap and hold on the app that you wanted to move. But then what you can do is you can actually effectively select that app or indeed multiple apps very much you know, as you could in iOS 10 um, and move them around. So you activate the edit, edit mode, we can call it that, in the old style of just tapping and holding on the app. Um, as compared to last year where you actually had to swipe up and down in the rotor to actually select, was it organized or something it was called? My, it's, my brain is working this evening. Um, but now you, you enter edit mode first and then uh, use various iOS and voiceover gestures to actually move your apps around. But what I really, really like about this is that you can now select multiple apps at the same time and rearrange. So rearranging large quantities of apps on your home screen and on various home screens, becomes very, very quick. Um, yeah. I've done a complete overhaul and rearrangement of pretty much everything on my phone. And um, it took very little time indeed. I like this feature. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, it's definitely a working feature. So I like it as well. Yeah, for, for me, I, I, I think I initially, I, I kind of thought, oh God, we're going right back to the old days of, of dragging the apps around and having to leave your finger on the screen. And then I realized, no, it's not quite like that. And when I explored it a bit more, uh, I felt exactly as you guys did. I said, actually, this is going to be very useful. So I think Apple have probably yep. refined this and yeah. certainly it does yeah. work a little bit. Good. Like you, you enter edit mode in the old mm. way pre-iOS 10, but after that it is, as Donald said, kind of basically the way it was in iOS 10 with added features. And they've just changed the language a bit, you know, so mm. now it says things like, it says the word drag. drag and yeah. if, you want to add a, if you want to add a second one, it says add to drag session. Mm. So... You know, you just once you get used to the kind of the language that they've chosen, it is uh, it's good. Yeah, I think one of the major reasons for this is kind of it's 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 again to bring a little bit of consistency across because I the files app I confess I haven't explored much of, but you can drag things and move things around into and out of the files app and so on and so forth. So I think this is an attempt to bring a little bit of consistency to that whole moving things around the 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 device. Um. But yeah, no, I, I really think I think that I think it's a very, a very, a very nice implementation of this actually. Yeah, it's one yeah. of my favorite features. Same here. I think it's going to be really, uh, like, really good in, in you know, in, in the files app. So if you have a Dropbox sync to that, so you can you know paste stuff from your emails and bring it back to the file apps. You know, so it's uh, copying and pasting would be so easy now. You know, from different agreed. places. Yeah, yeah, agreed. 
Okay, definitely a feature we like. Uh, something that we were, at least I and I think Dave, were a little disconcerted by, although Salim and Donald seem to have fixed this problem, is the previews that are back. Uh, so in mail, for example, if you're flicking through your inbox, you ha- hear the, the name, or at least I hear the name of the sender, and then the subject of the email, and then it starts reading the first couple of sentences of the email because previews are, are spoken by voiceover. You can apparently switch that off. We've, we've uh, learned in the mail uh, in the settings uh, in area within mail uh, you can switch off previews but that was a feature I think Dave that they that they ditched last year and then they brought it back yeah so it was up there it was there up until iOS 9 then last year they removed it partially so what you could do last year was when focus was on that email you could tap the screen with three fingers and that would read a preview to you but uh, across the community in general, from what I saw in comments online, it didn't go down too well. And this year they've brought the old method back, so it just automatically reads a preview. So, But as you said, if you don't like it, you can turn it off, which is great. Right, I'll be going into my settings afterwards and switching it off. Um, there's, there's been quite a few new verbosity settings. I mean, we have we've pitch changes. We have um, different levels of pitch to announce capital letters, which is very similar to how other screen readers have done it for quite a while. So it's kind of keeping to that convention. Dave, you mentioned, I think, last year at the end of our, our little discussion about that you would like to see more flexibility around punctuation and stuff. I think Apple must have tuned in to that podcast and listened to you. Clearly. <laughs> I'm glad I'm, they're listening. I hear Tim himself listens to Oh, brilliant. Uh, listens to maybe maybe give us a shout out. Um, yeah, no, I, I suppose because it was probably in the context, I vaguely remember it in the context of a conversation, you know, what does Apple need to do next to, to make voiceover really a fully fledged screen reader you know it's a mobile operating system but it's getting closer and closer to desktop class all the time so i thought this was a big step they needed to take um and i think it's really good yeah to have that kind of punctuation and you with capital letters you can have a yeah. cap or you can have a, do a pitch change or you can have a play a sound and yeah. that kind of thing so uh, yes. yeah i like it yeah you it definitely speed us up anyway speed me up instead of saying caps just make it sound you know so yes good feature good feature you can also do something now with deleting. When you're deleting letters, you can have it speak the letters, or you can just have it make a sound. And I, I switched mine to sounds, and I'm, I'm kind of getting used to it. Um, so you don't have to hear every letter that you're deleting. Just a couple of things then to talk about, maybe in relation to Braille, and uh, one that is linked to Braille is captions, um, because one of the things you can do now is you can read captions with voiceover, and you can also read captions in Braille, and this would be if you're watching a movie on the iTunes Store or presumably on Netflix as well. Yes, um, or Netflix. But the other interesting thing with Braille is that you can now pair a Braille display to the Apple TV, and whilst you don't get the same experience as you do with uh, on the phone or on, on, on the iPad, it certainly is a start. A uh, few other changes to report in Braille. One is that the... Um, translation on the fly, I suppose I'd call it, has has finally been fixed. So there is no translation as you type. The word is, is created when you hit the space bar, which is the same as how pretty much every other Braille translation works. So you can now Braille more slowly. And indeed, if you're Brailling, certainly in emails at the moment, you may have to Braille more slowly because there is a bug where information is getting uh, lost if you Braille too fast. So I think that's something that is going to be fixed. The other uh, area, of course, with Braille is there is now a new word wrap feature. If you'd like to be able to fit more text onto your display, uh, you can do that. 
one of the things, I don't know if any of you guys are using iOS 11 on iPad, apparently you can fit more than four items in the dock. Yes, you have, I think it's about six or seven in the main part of the dock. And then over on the right-hand side, it shows you some recently used apps as well. So uh, yeah, it's a lot more useful. I think they're trying to make it look a bit more like Mac. Mac, yeah. Um, something else that I came across, although I don't know that we have this anywhere in Ireland, but it has huge potential, is Apple's support in iOS 11 for indoor mapping. And I don't know if any of you guys have any anything to say about that, uh, but but I think we, we all probably realize or see the, the, the potential in the future. I think the potential is huge. Yeah, the potential is um, huge, yeah. I really think so. Um, I'm not personally aware of anywhere in Ireland that actually has it, um, but it'd be a fantastic thing to actually have implemented even on a trial basis somewhere over here I, i'm looking forward to going somewhere that actually has that because i'd be very interested to see how it works and actually to see you know at, at, at the basic day-to-day implementation level how they've actually done that because um i'm just thinking places like shopping centers airports the usual you know open space areas uh it, that, that could be really invaluable actually the the app store has had some changes have, have you guys played with this at all um did, did, and how do you feel about it maybe anybody like it or or, or not like it um the only thing i noticed was that the, the order of the tabs at the bottom of my screen had changed okay <laughs> um i must confess the app store i, I haven't I, I haven't bought anything or looked look for much i've done some updates the one thing i have noticed in in the update feature certainly on mine is um i don't have my phone set to auto install and so on. Same, yeah. Um, Same. So the thing that I've noticed is that you now have to do a three finger swipe down to actually refresh the update screen. Um, I don't know whether any of you have have encountered this, but I've opened the the app store. Say for example, this evening, um, it wasn't showing me any updates, and I just swiped down, and all of a sudden there were three. Mm, so um, it's it's actually not doing doing background refreshes the way it was. Uh, in, in previous versions of iOS. That could be my phone. It could be the way I have it set up. I haven't changed my settings in that context in years. Um, and I haven't checked the exact details. But I did notice that one. I noticed in the App Store, and don't lend the same as you, I don't have my phone set to automatically install the updates. But I noticed that as you're flicking through them now, it will tell you what's changed in the update without you having to sort of double tap on the app to hear yeah. what's changed. I really <laughs> like that feature. The other thing I like is that um, they've split out apps and games. So, you know, because sometimes you'd go into the charts or something previously and every second one was some game that I had no interest in (laughs) hearing about. So now you can go in. The charts are a bit hidden now because you have to go into the apps tab and then go and find charts. But yeah, on the other hand, I do like that they're split out in that way. The one thing I do miss in the App Store and the updates um, is the fact that in iOS... 10 and previous you actually got the size of the app you were downloading um so on the 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 app description if you like just above the the update button um you're right Stuart. i like i like the 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 description that's all that's automatically read but i would love them just to add back in the size of the app yeah and what you were actually downloading yeah um that was just something on a personal level i liked that's now gone how do we feel about some of the voice changes uh so i know siri has some new voices have you guys played with those at all um don't i thought so you putting something on twitter this morning which is interesting in relation to voices i did i actually have switched my language i used to have it set to the uk female voice for siri i've now switched to the american one um primarily just to hear the the, the differences and, and and play around with it 
Um, I really like what they've done with that new voice. I don't think I'd use it as my default screen reader voice. Um, but for me, there's a huge difference between the voice I use for a conversational interface like Siri, for example, and a voice that I might use for something like, you know, reading using iOS. Um, to me, they're two very different activities. And I, I just like the inflection. I like mm -hmm. the, 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 the tone of the voice. Um, I think they've done some very clever things there. I agree. It is a, a reason. It is a nice voice. I wouldn't use it as you said, you know, for uh, as a TTS for voiceover. But uh, yeah, it is a really nice uh, voice. Now, Apple have done some. They started this last year, and I was interested to flag to, to get you guys your views on this. They started last year this idea of image description. Uh, so you're flicking through your photos. It was really good and it has improved this year. And one of the things they do say, and it's really important that you have your screen curtain off um, when you're doing this. But I think if you triple tap with, no, sorry, a single tap with three single fingers, tap. isn't that right, on a yeah. photo, it will describe it for you. And I was really impressed by this. Um, it's, it's very good. It's really good. It's not across the OS, so you might go into apps where it won't work and that kind of thing. But where it works, I think it's a good start. Is what I describe it as. It's, yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to compare its um, implementation of this to Facebook. So if you're in the Facebook app and Facebook's artificial intelligence system tells you a description, the Apple one, I have found sometimes the Apple one has been a little more descriptive, a little more accurate as well. Yeah, in regards in regards to text, it will actually read the text. Uh, if you know if it detects it, uh, I think the face one doesn't. A Facebook one doesn't. Yeah, it just says text. Three people text, right, and that's yeah. it. Mm. Which is really useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apple tries to the at least tries to guess the text in the photo. Mm. Um, yeah. So, Dave, from a, a low vision perspective, is there anything that sort of jumped out at you? I know Apple have talked about um, sharper fonts and uh, better contrast, and I think uh, better. When you zoom the, the the magnification up, that the it doesn't maybe um, break up as much as did you notice anything like that? Yeah, my vision isn't at a point where I can really see those kind of fine details. If I'm honest, but I've seen areas where definitely the contrast has has improved a bit. I think low vision people will, um, from what hearing as well from other low vision people, that it, it, they have definitely made some improvements there. I don't think the functionality of Zoom has changed greatly. It's more just the actual um, how well it works, you know, and you know you can zoom to a to a higher magnification level and maintain a, a crisp kind of view, you know. And better contrast in certain areas. Um, I've heard it's a little inconsistent, but it's definitely, you know, in terms of where it's improved and where it hasn't, but they're definitely getting there. They've also introduced a new um, invert colors option called Smart Invert. So if you use this rather than the old, they're both still available, but if you use this Smart Invert rather than the traditional invert, it won't invert things like pictures and videos. So you can kind of have it, you know, inverted for your usage, but still be able to see the pictures and videos, which was a massive flaw previously in, in the invert color option. So that's uh, definitely a good addition. Okay. One of the things we talked about off air, um, and Salim, I think you were, you were mentioning it particularly was, um, because the, you know, I suppose the first version of a new, a new operating system is not going to be perfect. And iOS 11 is no exception. But one of the things that we all talked about was this, issue of deleting things it's a bit messy isn't it yeah um deleting yeah deleting things are messy it's just sometimes you know if you wanted to say dismiss a message for example you know it's it won't remember um the location so in order to get around this i think one way is to go into the 
more option, I think it is. Dave might correct me here, uh, I think, and then you can dismiss it that way. So you have to edit, go into the what would have been the old way of, of deleting before we had this this flick up. Is that is that, that yes, yeah, so yeah. the the bug in messages? Is that yeah, what you're yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you use the actions menu in messages mm-hmm. and go to delete, um, it doesn't delete the message properly, or it doesn't appear to to voiceover, and then you have to close messages and open it up again. But it's just a bug, which hopefully they'll get fixed. Mm-hmm. I think you guys, I haven't experienced this, but I think you guys have had issues, and apparently there are loads of issues, reading PDFs at the moment on iOS. I, I haven't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, can't be done. No, 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 no. And they tried to make improvements to it, which was the problem. It was in, a, I think it was part of their feature set that they were making improvements to PDFs. And uh, yeah, they haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> Yeah, and I suppose this is what happens, you know, when you when you have a date for release. There's only so much, so many things that can get fixed, and then everything else has to wait yeah. till the next release, which hopefully won't be too far away. Yeah, and I think maybe the other thing you were you were looking towards in terms of deleting was maybe how we were talking about the action staying on delete in mail. Yes, when you get to the next mail or whatever, but then it doesn't do that in control center or sorry in notification center or on the lock screen, for example, with notifications. So. But 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 that's a really it's potentially dangerous because you could inadvertently delete a message you think you're going to open to read. And yeah, I've done this many yeah, many times. I, I did it the other yeah. week. Shake, Shake the phone. Yeah. yeah, okay. And actually, that that's a good tip because that's in iOS 10 and probably nine and eight. Shake the phone. Very, yeah. um, very vigorously, and, and it gives a little vibration and it undoes the last action. Dave, I know you wanted to talk about the control center. I think it's your favorite feature, and there's been some significant changes there. Yeah, I think it's a really big improvement. It's one of my favorite features. Um, it's not accessibility um, specific, but um, although actually it's one of the areas where low vision people, I think, will will like it. The contrast is million times better now than it used to be uh, in control center and um what they've done now it's no longer across two or three pages or whatever it was before where you had to swipe across to media controls it's all on the one screen now and the bottom section where previously we had torch camera calculator and something else um is now customizable there's i think 17 different things you can put in there you can put another accessibility shortcut in there you can put notes uh, a quick you know shortcut to notes to make, um, you can have an Apple TV remote there's all sorts of different um, little widgets or whatever you want to call them that you can put into the uh, control center now so it's uh, it's really cool really useful and it's, a lot of them as well have actions behind them so if you got a 3D touch on the icon it'll bring up a sub menu you know so if you 3D touch on the camera for example you can tell it to go straight to like selfie or portrait or video or whatever mode of camera you want and these kinds of things so i think it's really cool can i talk i know this is not again this is not related to accessibility i'm actually liking this record screen feature yeah it's really useful because um sometimes if uh, it's the way I'm, like in a working environment for example you you want to record a screen and the good thing here is you can speak while you're demoing something and then in, and it's um recording this, the voiceover uh, voice TTS as well at the same time so it's I'm liking this feature and it's working pretty well so this would be voice ideal voice. for maybe yep. producing a tutorial exactly I've, I've been using it for exactly that yeah okay <laughs> and you get a video then and presumably you can do whatever you want with the video then put it up to YouTube yeah. or whatever you yeah. want yeah mm-hmm. 
it just goes into your camera roll so you can can do what you okay. want very good yeah mm-hmm. and there's easy to use trim options in there now just for trimming the start and the end you know what i mean you, if you want to do finer edits during the video you'd have to use other software but if it's just a simple kind of trim at the start or the end of the video you can uh, you can do in the photos app very accessibly so hardware guys um the iphone 8 and 8 plus is happened i think came out last week in uh, yeah, have have we got it here in Ireland yet, or did it start? Yeah, yeah. 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 we're in we're in phase one. We're in now, phase sure. one. We, oh, we yeah, since yesterday or since last year, I think. Okay, <laughs> so um, Dave, you're usually the person who uh, who grabs these things sim free, but are you holding out for this bigger model? The iPhone. Yeah, X? I am, and I think the AC is actually a great update. But um, and I probably would have got it and been happy enough with it but when i saw the x or sorry the 10 they wanted to call it but uh, i'm calling it an x um i wanted that one more (laughs) so if i can if i can scrape the pennies together i'll get the x but it is it's an expensive phone but it it looks very cool yeah and i suppose one of the big things and everyone's been talking about it in relation to the x is this facial unlock so you because you don't have a home button you won't be using your fingerprint how do you guys feel about the 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 facial thing because one of the the issues last week was people who uh, I mean, for example, I have prosthetic eyes, so I can't move my eyes. Mm. I can't look at something. I, I've no, uh, I've no concept of that. But uh, and mm. there were some issues about how that would work. But apparently, there are workarounds within Apple's yeah. accessibility settings. So they've got exactly. things like if um, there's a setting within it that says I have to actually look actively look at, at the phone to get it to unlock. And that's on by default. But as soon as you turn voiceover on during setup, that switches off by default. Off, yeah. And it's up to you if you want to turn it on or not, that requirement for you to actually look at the camera. So that's kind of cool. I am not. I think from a security point of view, I don't think they'd have rolled it out if it wasn't at least as secure as Touch ID. Um, so oh, it's, it's probably going to be yeah. fine. But it's definitely reliability more is what I, Yeah, it's reliability because yeah. it's the first generation of a new... Um, exactly yeah that up that i would be a little bit concerned about like is it going to work as well as touch id i don't know but we'll find out soon i guess so i've no concerns about the the accessibility or anything like that um i think the one thing you have to say about apple uh, certainly on the mobile side of the house i do have reservations on the desktop as anybody who follows me on twitter will tell you but um the, the mobile side of the house apple are generally very 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 good and very inclusive I do Agreed. have a slight concern about security in the sense that with the attention turned off, um, can somebody just pick up the phone, point it at somebody's face and unlock it? Yeah, uh, that's no concern. It's it's you know, it's it might be a trivial, it might be slightly slightly a slightly paranoid view of the world. But um again, until I actually see it at the implementation stage, like maybe for example, you actually need to have a gesture first and voiceover would speak or something like that. I don't know. I mean, and we haven't seen it. Personally, I will probably go for the 8 or the 8 Plus um, for my day-to-day use. Um, I just like the convenience of the fingerprint sensor and been able to, you know, reach into my jacket pocket and unlock the phone and do whatever music, for example, is one of the the things. I, I, I tend to use headphones that don't have the remote. And um, the notion of actually having to take the phone out to unlock it by holding it up in front of my face is there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it's just not a use case that I want. I personally have no inherent problems with it. Um, I I had some queries when it was initially, and again, as I put on Twitter, when when the 
the presentation was actually going on. I had some queries about it, but um, no, just just the actual usability of it is is it doesn't suit my use case personally. I think from a hardware perspective, from an actual device perspective, it'd be a lovely phone to have for development. Okay, well, uh, Dave, we might come back and talk to you when you have the X and or the ten <laughs> they want us to call it. If, uh, if, if still, if, okay, yeah. right. Well, I think it'll happen. Um, Salim, are you are you upgrading this year? You're usually good for the upgrades as well. I am. Up, uh, I won't be upgrading uh, my phone now. Uh, I'm using the iPhone seven at the moment, and I think I'm gonna just use it for another year. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I, I think I'll be doing so, the same. Um, so what, what about wireless charging is an e- is an interesting yeah oh yeah, yeah. It's the eight and the uh, X and I was wondering about that I presume you can get a, a case that supports wireless charging because apparently the, mo- only the kind of very thick OtterBox type cases apparently won't most others apparently will mm-hmm. will okay. work fine and Apple will absolutely sell you a case that will work with it of don't you doubt it <laughs> of course <laughs> they will yeah. Yeah. Um, new versions of the Apple Watch I, I'm, I'm not an Apple Watch person, but Dave, you are. I think Salim, you, you've had one. Or if I'm not sure. uh, I don't, but I'm really interested in this uh, version, uh, okay. the LTE version. Uh, it's not out in Ireland yet, and I'm just hoping it will come out soon. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm in the market of getting an Apple Watch. So, it uh, so in terms of LTE for Dave, are you because you, you, as you had an Apple Watch person already, is it something that's exciting you? Mm, not really. Um, I have the original Apple Watch, and it kind of does what I need it to do, if I'm honest. Um, I'm not as excited by the Apple Watch as a product in general as I am by some of their other their other products. I like it. I just, I'm not, you know, wild for it. So, and it's exact same design. It's just as thick and everything is, not that it's a particularly thick device, but it's, you know what I mean? I thought maybe at this stage they might do a bit of a redesign or something like that, but um, they didn't. They stuck with the same design and... Yeah, to, to update just for more speed wasn't right. Wasn't necessary for me. And the, even if uh, the cellular option was available in Ireland, I'm so rarely away from my phone that I I don't think I get the use of it. Even to pay the extra for the for the device. Never mind the fact that the network will probably charge you another five or ten euro on top per month as well. I you know wouldn't be for me. I think yeah. The reason I, I think I'm, I think I'm ready for this one is just I think this is a perfect device because the processor is much a bit faster now, and I think voiceover shouldn't be uh, as sluggish. Um, yeah, I think in fairness, like it does look brilliant, and it mm. it looks like what watch probably was supposed. to be. Yeah, I think this should be the, the yeah, first. This, this is finally mm. the final result. You know, this is kind mm. of what exactly. That's what I'm thinking now. I could be wrong, but I think that's. But but am, am I right then in saying because you guys mentioned off air there are some issues with LTE like you can't bring this thing out of the country or to another country? No, you can't. You can't. No, no, no. You can't run with it or you can't use it. And you, but you can bring it out of the country, Stuart, but it won't work. It won't <laughs> yeah. Work. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 the fact that it's not here, you couldn't go to the Apple store up in Belfast and buy one of these things in the UK mm-hmm. um, and then bring it down here. Um, which is a pity, actually. It is. Um, but um, I was really enthusiastic about this. I and mean, when I heard about this, at the, again, at the, at the Apple media the, the, the presentation, I was I, the same. Yeah. I was really, really excited. And then somebody tweeted last week that you get one hour battery, one hour talk time. And it was yeah. kind of, mm, Just put a little sting on as, it. As somebody else put it on Twitter. It's a great technical achievement, but not necessarily practical in the real world. I think was how this gentleman phrased it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, 
I like I I I haven't bought a watch yet. Um, I'm tempted. I'm very mm-hmm. very tempted by this, but I think I'm actually going to wait and let the early adopters kind of test yeah. it and, and, <laughs> and then see what yeah. what they say uh, across the the web and stuff. So, uh, Salim, I think you're the man for that job. We'll bring you back in a few months and see how you're getting on. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're, we're lining Definitely. people up here to do to do different things. Um, so, guys, before we before we finish, we've had, we've we've covered a lot of stuff this evening. But I suppose it would be interesting to go around our virtual table and just get a sense from you all. Maybe your favorite feature of iOS 11, the thing that you're really liking at the moment, and maybe something that you just wish they'd done, or maybe they might do next year. And if 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 our record is anything to go by in the past, if Dave gets another mention in here, we might get it for next year. So <laughs> I can't think of anything. So uh, maybe Donald, do you want to start? Is there anything that you really like, or anything that you really hate? I I'm with Dave from what he said earlier. I like Control Center. I I, I really do. For me, that's actually become one of my my go to features. Uh, I just like the way it can be customized to 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 um, exactly the way I use my phone and the things that I want to get to nice and quickly. Yeah. Um, do I think that I really hate, I hate the delete feature in mail or feature bug feature, call it what you like. Um, that really, really annoys me for the simple reason that I have been very close on about five or six occasions today alone to deleting mails that I really did not want to delete. And for me, I just think it places uh, a hell of a, you know, an extra cognitive load on the user that really doesn't need to be there. Um, so if I was to pick one feature, as I said, this this is all so subjective, but in my day-to-day use, in my use case, that delete feature in mail just drives me slightly scatty. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And I can totally understand that. Uh, Salim, what's, what are you liking or what are you maybe not liking? Um, yeah, I do like the control center, but I also like uh, moving apps. And now you can move apps, as it was explained by uh, Donald, that, you know, you can move them. Uh, you, you, you can just move, like, as many apps you want, I think. I'm not sure if there's any limit on it, but, yeah, and create a folder with it, like, you know, blind apps and create a folder with blind apps, you know. So it's it's very easy to do now. And, uh, yeah, that's the feature I, I like. And what I don't like... Um, Consistency, consistency with Apple is just I'm I can rant on for hours, but I won't. But uh, hopefully they'll be consistent next year, okay. and just try to add as many books as possible. That's my so even things like that. The fact that it returns to delete in the mail, but it doesn't yeah. in the in the notifications and exactly stuff. yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Dave, things you're liking or not liking? Um, at the risk of just parroting the other guys, uh, I think Control Center is probably my favorite feature, yeah, and that customization I really like. Um, I'm using it a lot. Um, I do like, I think the new verbosity settings are really good, and I definitely like the, yeah, the multiple apps. As I Like Donald, I, I completely overhauled my home screen recently, and I did the kind of alphabetical thing, and I just picked up all the apps, began with an A, and dropped them to an A folder, and I was done, you know, that kind of thing. So, I really like all those, and yeah, that that feature I could that you mentioned in that you know the action staying on delete in mail. Yeah. I could probably handle it if it did it in the app switcher and on the in notifications as well. So I wanted to either do it everywhere or not do it everywhere. Going back to the it's consistency kind of bit that Salim has. Yeah, yeah, um, and then there's, there's a bug as well where often you'll be going down through a list like your mail or your notifications, and you're in the actions menu, which it should always default to if it's there, 
and then suddenly it won't be it'll be on words or characters or oh yeah and that just drives me demented <laughs> mildly frustrating um i've seen I, that I, one on the lock screen actually that, that one drives me insane on the on the on the, the lock screen uh, where you're clearing a lot of notifications and it, it, it randomly jumps from, as you said, Dave, the actions to the character that words. Yeah. I can't pick, I can't figure out what what's what's causing yeah. it. There's no there's no, cons- again, no. there's no consistency to the behavior. Mm. And the thing is, because you, you I'd be using my phone with one hand, with just flicking up with my thumb to do these actions, and then when that happens, it means I have to take my other hand, you know, cradle yeah. the phone and get a two finger gesture. So it kind of completely disrupts your flow. Like, so so maybe here's a here's a final question because we've talked about a lot Lots of things in iOS 11 and, you know, good and bad points. Do you guys think for the, and I suppose it's hard to say what is the average user, but someone who's been using iOS 10 quite happily um, and, mm-hmm. and is maybe thinking of this upgrade and taking this step, do you think there's more good than bad? There's more that, that people will like than not like outside of the little, you know, things that we've talked about and, and there's ways to get around most of those things? I think it is a good update, to be honest, yeah. But... Like my view would be like wait for kind of a next the next update. So I just take an iron out the couple of bugs, the annoying ones, then upgrade. So wait for this maybe f- sometimes four or five weeks yeah. time is it when people yeah. when they come out with more. I, I'd say it's sort of I think as well like yeah on on balance it's definitely worth the upgrade. But yes. if you've a ver- if you've a very low tolerance for bugs then. Mm you're generally better off waiting till the next update. Probably every year, that's probably the case. There's always, yeah, you know, there's always bugs in the very first release. So, But if you're able to tolerate a few little bugs, then I think it's worth it. I would say it's it's certainly not, it's not iOS 7 levels of bad. Um, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, again, I, I, I think there are certainly bugs there, but, you know, there's always bugs in software. It's just a question of how bad they are. And it, 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 it depends on how you use how the individual uses the, the, the phone. Um, That's very true, actually, Don. Because if you're someone who uses your iOS device with a braille display for like work or something like that, and that that bug where the translation gets messed up is going to be is going to impact your work or your college right, or whatever, right? Then yeah, stay away. You know, and, and it's yeah, interesting. Exactly. It's interesting you say that, Dave, because I updated of course because i there's six ten past six in the evening i was online to update and then i read the article about what to look for after the update so it was done and i'm not sure with the braille display thing i'm not sure that i i may have thought a little bit about it. i probably would have updated in the end but i can see where people if they were using this a lot and relying on it and that they're not really comfortable with having to do all these jumps through hoops to get something to work uh, where it it, it 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 begins to hamper your productivity. I can see where people might think twice about that. So guys, it's been great. I mean, another another uh, iOS has been, and I think in general we like it. It does remind me uh, when Donald was mentioning, I think iOS seven there. That the I think, I think when we were having this this discussion a couple of years ago, we were pretty much telling people, please hold off on updating until the next uh, release. But um, anyway, thanks for coming on, Donal, Dave, and Salim, and hope we get you around our virtual table next year. But for the moment, thanks a mil, guys. Thanks,
there you go. If you uh, if you was anything you didn't know about iOS 11 before listening to that piece, I hope uh, by now you've uh, increased your knowledge significantly. Thanks so much to the guys for uh, such an in-depth discussion. It's always my favourite time of the year, I think, when we really tease out these issues in the new release of iOS and, of course, talk about all that new Apple hardware. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of teched out for this month, to be honest, but it's not the end of the podcast because we do like to in- include lifestyle issues. And I was sent, well, probably for me, the best thing anyone can do is give me a package that I just slot into the podcast. I don't have to edit it. I don't have to do anything with it. But I listened to it when I received it yesterday and I was blown away by it because I had heard lots about visually impaired tennis, but I'd never quite understood what it was all about. Here's Oren O'Neill. My name is Oren O'Neill and I'm a blindy tennis player. For the next few minutes, let me take you into the world of a sport I absolutely love. That sport is blind or VI tennis. It originated in Japan about 30 years ago and gradually made its way across the rest of the world. It's played in Australia, Mexico, Poland, Italy, Spain and the UK, to name but a few. And now it's made its way across to Ireland, where both kids and adults are playing the game. It's played on a standard indoor tennis court but has tactile lines usually made of rubber along the tram lines and baseline. These tactile lines are designed to help a VI tennis player find their way around a court using touch. The ball is a little larger than a regular tennis ball and has a rattle inside. This rattle helps players identify which direction the ball is coming to once it hits the ground. Apart from that, the same rules of tennis apply. This morning I'm on my way in to see and chat to my VI tennis player friends. But first I want to talk to Sarah O'Donoghue, one of the coaches here in Shank Hill. I asked her what happens in a typical tennis session. Good question. So I think the key thing maybe is that it's fun. Okay, so all of our sessions, no matter what's going on, whether it's the most competitive match you've ever played, you've got to be enjoying it. So that's one of the things that we've always got in the background all the time. Along with that, though, you get a lot of activity, a lot of fitness, a lot of a lot of tennis and a lot of tennis balls. So if you come out here on a Sunday morning, we'll get going straight away with a nice and gentle forward slash not so gentle warm up to get everybody into it. Um, after that, very similar to any training session you'll go to across the country, you're going to get some coordination skills. You might get some balance activities um, work on tracking because it's an essential point of the game and then anything like teamwork the group there's a great group no matter whether you're in dcu or over here it's a great group of people and there's a lovely atmosphere and a lot of banter so there's always a few jokes flying um and then we get into it it's racket and ball skills it's getting down to playing it's getting down to progressing and moving the game on all the time and really if you're a new player and you have some experience with tennis or you don't have any experience with tennis it really doesn't matter sure it doesn't no not at all 
everybody's welcome definitely if you've played before that's brilliant you know you'll have an idea of you'll have some background skills that you're going to bring in and it'll definitely add to your game but similarly if you haven't played there's no problem at all we start off with court awareness and getting your orientation knowing the game getting the rules and building it up step by step Um, and as we go on then a lot of it is about sharing info so if you've played before maybe you'll have some tricks you can bring in Um, and equally if you haven't played before you have another view on it and you'll have extra insights that you can give and what we try to do is marry it all together um, and be as effective as we can. So Nuala, how long have you volunteered here in Shankill? Since it started, which is roughly, we're into the second year now, we were waiting for the indoor court to be built and as soon as it's built, Liam O'Donoghue, he started this, as you know, this blind tennis here, are visually impaired, excuse me, and um, we were, there was a notice put up on the tennis club and I volunteered and I started and I got more out of it, I'd say, than the players. It is so wonderful to see that tennis is for everyone and to see how well the, uh, the visually impaired tennis players have got on. Particularly, we went to Spain there and I think both players and coaches learned more from that experience and I'm a great believer that we should play you know, as many competitions, well, as some of the competitions anyway, because it's through that experience that we gain our knowledge. And in the meantime here, they're actually doing very, very well. I'm with Audrey Tormey, and we're going to just talk about the different categories in blind tennis. Hi, Audrey. Hi, Audrey. So you're a B1 player, same as myself. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean in terms of playing the game? Well, in terms of playing the game, for somebody who's B1, um, the court is smaller than, say, if it was B2 or B3. A B1 player would have no vision, no sight at all, or uh, just like perception. So you're reliant on, or I'm reliant on, listening to the ball bouncing and trying to determine where to aim the, the tennis racket. <laughs> so it's kind of hit and miss, literally. So a B2 category means that you've got more sight that, that's correct, oh yeah yeah b2 means you have more sight but you still have three bounces on the ball right. um the court is what is bigger than b1 and did you play tennis before i've never played tennis before not even as a child i did do other sports but i've never played tennis before and what i really like about the whole experience of tennis for people who are blind or vision impaired is the whole liberating kind of um, factor. Like, I, yeah. I, once you know, once I've mapped out in my head the kind of parameters of the court, I can kind of move around in an area where I know it's safe. And I think it's quite important, even though we're, we're working on our own, trying to locate the ball, there is a sighted guide with us yeah. to, to, to relocate us to back to the, to the baseline and, I, yeah. I find that very helpful. Yeah, and the volunteer or the sighted person is does play an integral part for somebody B1, definitely. So now I'm joined by Evan and Will, who are two volunteers here in Shankill. Guys, what was the what was the attraction? 
well, earlier on this, uh, over the summer, I did a course in UCD about uh, inherited blindness. I learned a lot about blindness and like how they can feel very like put down because everyone thinks because they're blind they can't participate in sports and that kind of thing. So I thought like it would be a good thing to do if I could help people play sport because I do enjoy sport and I like to play it a lot. And Will, what's the feeling you get when you're helping these players on the court? Well, it's quite rewarding because you can see that like you're allowing them to like learn and play a game which no like you wouldn't think blind people could play it and like with the circumstances we have it's giving them the opportunity to play tennis and just enjoy themselves. And did you find the learning curve very hard to be able to guide them around the court and what they need or did you are you having difficulty with that? But they're actually they're really good at communicating because they rely more on their other senses. So they're they like tell you they call which ball they're gonna get. They say so and they haven't clattered you with a racket yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's always time. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got Dave on my left. You do. Holly. Uh, Holly in the middle. And Luke is here. And Luke is here. Yeah. So. Really what I want to know is what encouraged you to start playing blind tennis and how did you hear about it? Okay, well, uh, um, if I could start, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the the thing was I read about it on the NCBI. They have a newsletter that comes out every so often and um, I read about it and it sounded interesting to me because I don't tend to, you know, working in an office and everything and then by the time you get home, you're very tired. You don't tend to get out as much as you should, jogging or doing whatever else, any kind of exercise. And so I thought it might be a good thing to just get the level of fitness up because I think with um, any sort of visual uh, imperity or any sort of disability like that it can be difficult to um, engage in a lot of sports uh, regular sports and things like that going running or whatnot, um, because of that visual acuity not being there so it's easy to become a bit of a couch potato or at least in my time that's what I found you know so it was uh, the case that just to try and get a little bit more active and you know um, uh, get the blood pumping every now and then was was, uh, a good thing to do and was tennis an interest that you all had or or yeah. someone being um, new to tennis well I played tennis when I was uh, in primary school but like I didn't really like it that much but um, when I came to my college uh, Derek uh, every Tuesday Derek um, uh, taught us how to play and I was using the normal ball instead of the uh, rattly ball and I never heard of visually impaired tennis and since Derek like said it and I was like really? I never heard of that <laughs> and then I started in January so you, you, were, you were kind of hooked immediately right? yeah yeah. do you think you're progressing as yeah. you go, you're going along? definitely yeah Yeah. I think so yeah <laughs> she's our star player this one <laughs> oh you're the one to watch out for yeah <laughs> and Dave Mason we normally hear of you on the technology podcast talking about Apple products. We do. Tech products. But now I'm talking to you about tennis. I know. Where did this all come from? What's the interest in tennis? It's not dissimilar to Luke's story, really. About um, early 2016, I was I had got an email, I think, from Tracy Penston and NCBI. She sends out newsletters, and I kind of heard about that this was coming up, and I kind of parked it in the back of my mind. 
And then I was having conversations. I was on the phone to the likes of uh, Joe and Raheem in Vision Sports, and I was asking them about maybe getting into either cycling or running or something. I, like Luke said, I wanted to get out playing sports again. I hadn't been playing in quite a long time or doing really enough activity at all, so I wanted to get back out there. And they said, here, this tennis thing is coming up. And I thought, why not? Like, I enjoyed tennis when I was a kid. Yeah, um, again, like Holly, I, was, I played a bit in primary school, a bit after school and on holidays in the summer and stuff like that. And obviously every year at Wimbledon out on the road. But as I got older, it became almost impossible to play. So I never really did play anymore. And then this came along and it came down on day one. And I honestly was hooked day one. It was such a welcoming club, such a welcoming group. And yeah, I was hooked. Well, how do you all feel? When you're playing, when you're Very actually good. hitting the ball. Liberated. Like liberated. Yeah. Why liberated? Because you're running around freely on a court <laughs> without fear and you're getting exercise and you're hitting the ball and yeah, it's just it's a really good feeling. But you're not scared of running into the net or do you get do you get used to the size of the court and where the ball is coming from and what you shot do. you're going to play? It's a part of the learning, isn't it? It's yeah, I think that's yeah, all part yeah. of it, knowing what to do and where to be. And that's the, the big thing with the rattle and the ball there. That's part of the game, almost. That's the mind game or the meta game that's going on, is knowing where to be at any one time. And I think, you know, even with uh, people we're watching here, they could easily be running into the mm-hmm. net as well. So it's not such a, a thing to be worried about. But I think that uh, Dave's right in one way, talking about liberation, in a sense, because there's so much in your life that you can kind of hold yourself back for and think like oh you know I'm not able for that I'm not able for this you know and, and people I think around you you know if you have your parents are overprotective or whatever else and certainly when I was younger my parents would wrap me in cotton wool you know wouldn't be able to do <laughs> half the things I wanted to do and so it's nice to have something that you can do and feel a little bit confident in doing it you know and if anyone's kind of nervous about that I'd say like the guys the coaches and volunteers they're brilliant for orientating you you know to take you in they'll walk you up and up and down the court and make sure that you're kind of comfortable in the environment you know what I mean so it's very good in that sense as well and are you all interested in I know Dave was in Spain uh, earlier this year at the first international blind tennis uh, tournament are you all aspiring to the next competition or yeah next year yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If I know it's coming up now, I'd, I'd love to go, you know, no matter where it is. I, I heard there was talk of it being in Scotland and then there was talk of it being in Tokyo. So it's like, you know, either way, it's a fun trip, I think. And I think Oren yourself, you know, we're a competitive bunch, so it's, uh, yeah, it's think, part of the fun. Yeah, I think it's funny how you become so much more competitive pretty much immediately when you start playing you think, well I do anyway <laughs> but I think there but you is, had a good learning experience absolutely and I think there is a definite opening though for people who don't want to be going to competitions as well you know what I mean there are people here who are just just want to get out and get some exercise every week and just be part of the club and that kind of thing so I think it's, uh, it's a sport that's open to both which is great and Derek and Sarah are really good so mm-hmm. they're, they're good crack Cloda explains the need for extra funding. Yes, so tennis, it's a relatively accessible sport financially and obviously Sarah and her gang are trying their best to make it accessible to people with vision impairments. But it is more expensive to play it in the VI tennis form because the equipment, there's a lot of specialised equipment required. You need raised tactile lines which help the players find where they are in the court you need the special ball which is a sponge ball so if you get one in the face it's not going to hurt you and it's got a noisemaker inside so you can hear it being hit and you can hear it bouncing so that's without those things you can't play I mean as a a person with a, a vision impairment so 
and that's expensive. Those those bowls have to be bought in from Japan, and they're really, really expensive. And also, they don't tend to last very well because if you stand on them, they, they crack and they they don't bounce properly and stuff. So yeah, we need money. Um, so if anyone is loaded, please <laughs> <laughs> send some money our way. So we're always looking for sponsorship. If there's any, you know, if anyone knows of any companies, would be happy to sponsor us. We'd be happy to provide, you know, whatever you want, some photos or some time with the team or whatever in return. And yeah, we'd be happy. Just get in touch and we'll do what we can to build a kind of symbiotic relationship, you know. And of course, we should say that that we're in Shank Hill here this morning and we also play in DCU in Dublin, but we've also got clubs starting up in Sligo and Nace and isn't that right Sarah? Yeah we're starting in well we've started we're going for a few, uh, few months now in Sligo and um, they've just finished a six-week session in Navan. I believe there's a, a tri-day coming up in Cork it'll probably be in Gary Duff. Thank you, our Cork <laughs> local here, Gary I think, Duff. I think it's the seventh. I think it's the seventh of October in Gary Duff. We're trying to get more clubs on stream all the time, and maybe get some more going in Dublin. And it's really at this stage we need to get as many people and as many players in as possible, because um, the more the more we are, the more fun we can have. Yeah, and um, that's what it's all about. And I think Claudia, you were saying there about getting support as well. If anybody has time that they can give, if we we love to have some more volunteers because that just makes yeah. the sessions run. Um, Excellently, you know, and as I said, for me as a coach, I get so much out of it. Um, you really you come off the course, court energized, and yeah. so as a volunteer, there's there's a lot that we can get from it. If you want to play or volunteer, you can contact Sarah O'Donoghue at o d o n o h o s at gmail dot com. If you'd like to donate or sponsor VI Tennis. You can contact Cloda at clodaod at gmail.com. That's C-L-O-D-A-G-H-O-D at gmail.com. For any other questions you might have, you can contact Rahim Nazarali at Vision Sports Ireland. That's sports at visionsports.ie. If you're interested in giving VI Tennis a go, there's a common try day in Cork on Saturday the 7th of October. It's in Gary Duff Sports Centre between 2.30 and 4.30. Or you can just come along to Shankill Tennis Club on Sunday mornings. Juniors play from 9 to 10 and adults play from 10 to 11.30. Or the Tennis Ireland Tennis Courts in Albert College Park in DCU on Monday evenings between 7 and 9. I'd like to thank all the participants who took part and to Stuart Lawler for giving us a slot on his podcast. I'm going to leave the last word to our most dedicated volunteer. It was our first outing. I met the Japanese in the lift going down and they said, how long have you been playing? And I said, no, don't forget it was last May. And I said to them, October. And they broke the sides laughing. <laughs> but what happened? We came home with a bronze medal on our first outing. And really, I was so proud. I was so proud of all the players and they conducted themselves so well. And all I can say to all of them is, well done, you did us proud. Well, what a piece. Thank you so much, Oren, and everybody who participated in that production. It's it, we, We've never received something of that quality to put onto the technology podcast, and I literally had to do nothing except slot it in. Um, so, Oren, thank you so much. And it's it's really interesting because we spoke with Raheem Nazarali of Vision Sports Ireland last May, and one of the things he was highlighting was the amount of 
popularity that VI tennis has enjoyed since it started here in Ireland. It's one of the sports, I think he said it was one of the fastest growing sports he had seen. And certainly that piece that Oren produced certainly bears testimony to that. I've had so many people talk to me about VI tennis, colleagues of mine in work who absolutely love it, people I've met socially, people I've met through work. So many people are participating in it. And I think, as the piece said, whether you do it competitively or not, it's just a great thing to do to up your fitness and have a bit of crack. So do go along to the open day if you're listening in Cork uh, on the 7th of October. And listening to that piece, by the way, reminded me of a, um, a toy, I suppose, I had about 12 or 15 years ago. It was a virtual tennis racket. So you you held this racket, you put two batteries into it, you held the racket and you played against the racket. And it strikes me that this device, if it's still around, would be brilliant for VI tennis players. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Derry Lawler, who phoned into our comment line and who was on the podcast earlier on, I think had one of these rackets as well. Where did it ever go? Where did they ever go to these virtual tennis rackets? I've lost mine. I moved house since and I think it got lost somewhere. I'd love to have another one because they were absolutely brilliant. There was three different levels. So you'd start off with beginner, intermediate and advanced. And I think I never beat the racket on intermediate. <laughs> I didn't even try advanced. But they were just a great device. If anyone knows where we can get some virtual tennis rackets for Oren and his friends, I would love to know because I'd love to get one myself as well. Uh, now that's just about it. It's been a long podcast, but I hope you uh, agree that it's been worth listening to. Thanks very much to Sharon Lyons, Donald Fitzpatrick, Salim Raman, Dave Nason, Oren O'Neill and everybody else involved in VI Tennis. We're back in, uh, in November. <laughs> My goodness, we're back in November with lots more. Until then, this is Stuart Lawler saying take care and have a good month. Bye-bye.